You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Good morning. Grab your Bibles, grab your sermon notes. This morning we're launching into a new series that we have titled Right on the Money. If you think about it, you want to be right on the money, right? You don't want to be wrong on the money. Now you're wrong on the money is what I know. It can create some real challenges in your life. So in this series, we're going to talk about um, three things specifically. God's perspective on money. Um, how to rightly use money. And then in the last week of this series, we're going to talk about honoring God with what he's blessed us with. But as we think about processing life, you really can't get away from the significance of money. I mean, like everything we do every day in some way, somehow is connected to money. Um, We wish it wasn't, but it is. Like if you go to the grocery store and you load up a cart full of groceries uh, and you exit the store, they expect you to pay before you exit, right? If you don't pay before you exit, um, man, they're going to come after you, right? Or, or let's say you stop by the gas station and you fill your car with, with fuel. Like they expect you to pay before you drive off. If you drive off without paying, I will be visiting you uh, in the jail, right? We don't want that. Um, or if you rent a house or rent a home, an apartment, uh, the landlord expects you, like on a monthly basis, to give him money. Um, or if you're buying a home, like once a month, whoever loans you the money, mortgage company, bank, whoever, they expect you to make a payment. And if you don't make a payment, they, they'll let you know, like, hey, you missed the payment. So it, we can't get away from this reality um, like it's impossible to function in our society today without money. I mean, we all need money. And if we're honest this morning, like if we're all honest, we would all like to have more money than we presently have. Right. Turn to your neighbor and say more money. More money. God, that's a part of our humanity, isn't it? Yeah, we all need money and we would all like if, if, if possible, we'd all like a little bit more than we than we presently have. But if we don't know how to use this money tool, it can really create some challenges in our lives. That's why it's of utmost significance that we're right on the money. That's why we've titled the series as such. So, so how, how we deal with money is, is a big deal. You know, when I was a young pastor, um, I didn't like talking about money. I would do everything I could to stay away from talking about money from the pulpit or money from the platform. There were several reasons for that. Uh, the first reason would be I, I was just afraid that people would, would misjudge motives. Like they would say, yeah, that's right. All the church wants is their money. And in case you're wondering, we don't want your money. What we want is we want you to grow up into the fullness of all that God's created you to be. That's what we want for you. Um, but I was, I was concerned about motive and how people would perceive that. The second reason that I... And I really hated talking about money as people get nervous when you talk about what they perceive to be their own stuff. He's like, we're going to talk about money. And you can feel the nervous vibe in the sanctuary. People get nervous because, well, it's my stuff. Third reason I, I didn't like talking about money is, and this is a bit of my own insecurity, but I was afraid that people would be offended. You talk about money, people are going to get offended and they're going to leave the church. 
But what I've come to discover as I've grown older, and I hate to say that, but I am getting older. What I've come to discover as I've grown older is we need to talk about money because money impacts, affects every area of our lives, not just physically, but spiritually as well. There is there's a connection and I'll I'll prove that out to you this morning. But not only that, I, I find it interesting that the God who created us gave us a manual, an operation manual to process life. You know what the manual is called? The Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, the Bible, it's kind of our operation manual. And what's amazing is how much God talks about money in the Bible. I'd encourage you to read the book from Genesis to Revelation. Listen, if you've never read the Bible from front to back, do that this year. And don't say, you're, don't say well, I, I believe everything in the book. If you've not read the book, I encourage you this year, read the book. From beginning to end, it would be a, a great accomplishment. But as we look to the Bible, the God who made us talks a lot about money. Matter of fact, let me give you just some, some brief statistics this morning. Within the Bible, there's twice as many verses about money, about 2,350, as the faith and prayer combined. Amazing. Not only that, but Jesus talked a lot about money. 16 of the 38 parables he told concerned how, how to handle money and possessions. Somehow it was connected to those parables. And the gospel's an amazing one out of 10 verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. Like Jesus spent 15% of his recorded words talking about money. Why? This is why I believe he knew that we were all going to be challenged with this thing called money. He knew that we were going to be challenged with the stuff of life. And then if, if we were not cautious and careful, the stuff of life could trip us up. Oddly, that's why God speaks so much in his word about money, stuff, the temporary things of life. For you see, there's a powerful relationship between our true spiritual condition and our attitude and actions concerning money and possessions. There's a, there's a connection. In Matthew 6, 19, I want you to listen to the words of Jesus. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in to steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So basically Jesus is saying here, make right investments in right places. Simple enough, right? Right investments in right places. Then he goes on to say this, for wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice how he makes the connection, treasure to heart. Then he says, no one can serve two masters. He'll, either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So according to Jesus, you can love, pursue, and worship money, or you can love, pursue, and worship God, but you can't do both. It's either or. What's, what's going to be, what's really going to be the Lord of your life? So our goal, our goal should be right, should be right on the money. And to use this money tool wisely to make sure that it, like it doesn't become a God or an idol in our lives. What we don't want to do is allow the temporary things of life 
to rob us of a right relationship with God and to rob us of greater eternal rewards. And what I know is everyone needs money to make life work, but if we're not cautious, the pursuit of money, the pursuit of material things can rob us of what of what really matters. <clears throat> the real measure of your wealth is not so much what you can hold in your hand, Matter of fact, what would your worth be if you lost it all? That's a good question. Let's say that there was a gentleman who had millions of dollars. And he spent his whole life gathering those dollars. That was his focus. That was his energy. And then all of a sudden, it was all gone. What would his worth be? If we're not careful, we can miss out again on what really matters. You know, last Sunday, Miss Betty Mays, some of you would know sweet Miss Betty Mays. She was in our second service. Actually, she sat right in this area. We were in our second service. I spoke with her briefly as she went out the door Sunday morning. Um, on Monday, she had a massive heart attack and went home to be with Jesus. Church on Sunday and heaven on Monday. Not a bad deal. We celebrated her life just yesterday. But when Miss Betty took her last breath, at that point, it didn't matter what she had. At that point, it didn't matter what she had gathered. As her son spoke of her life, he says, you know, my mom was not a wealthy woman. And I would say, uh, if you knew Miss Betty, she was not maybe wealthy in the monetary sense, but she was a wealthy woman. Why? Because she invested in the things that really matter, relationship with God and relationship with others. If everything you owned was gone tomorrow, my hope would be you would have value in what really matters. Which really comes down to relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with others. Listen, money only matters while we're on this earth, and then eternity comes. Think about that. Money only matters while you're here, and then eternity comes. Therefore, it's really important, I think it's really important, that we understand God's perspective about money. That's what I want to talk with you about for the next few minutes. Here's four statements I believe that God views money as this. Money is a trust, money is a tool, money is a test, and money is a testimony. So let me unpack those this for a few minutes. The first is this. Money is a trust. God is the owner, and we are the stewards of his goods. Now, a steward or manager is someone who has been put in charge of the possessions that he or she does not own. So as God's stewards, we have been put in charge of managing his goods. Now, here's the deceptive part. Here's the challenging part. Is we can be deceived to think that we own it. And let me tell you why. Your name is on the title. Well, look here. It says I own it. Your name is on the deed. Your name is on the bank account. And you can begin to believe that like you own it, but you really don't because we don't own it. 
God owns it. We're simply managing his stuff. Here's proof of it. Let's say that someone has been diligent all their life, really focused, going after it. They've gathered real estate. They've gathered investment stock. They have this really nice portfolio worth $10 million. A lot of money. Focus of their life. When they die, how much of that portfolio, how much of that estate is left behind? Let me tell you why it's all left behind. They never really owned it. God owns it. Funny story. There's a wealthy man who loved money, pursued money, chased money his whole life. His whole life was about money. And so as he was coming to the end of his life, he told his wife, he says, you know, money's such a big deal in my life. I love my money. He says, when I die, I want all of my money put in the casket with me. I want it buried with me. His wife said, okay. And when he died, his wife fulfilled his request. She wrote a check for all of it, put it in the casket, and they buried him in the ground. Folks, here's the reality. We leave this world the same way we came. And in case you've forgotten, you came with nothing. And you'll leave the same way. I mean, you've heard the saying before. You've never seen a U-Haul truck following a hearse, right? Because you don't take it with you. Psalm 24.1 says this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. This earth we live on is is God's and everything in it. Jeremiah 27.5, God says this. He says, with my great power and outstretched arm, I made the earth and its people and the animals that are on it. And I will give it to anyone as I please. Why can God give it to anyone as he, as he pleases? Because it's his. God's the owner. We're the steward. Now understand this today as Managers of God's goods, we're going to have to give an account of our lives. We're going to be held accountable for how we managed his goods while we were on this earth. I mean, and if you can think of it like this, all we have is on loan from God. And one day, one day we're going to have to stand before our creator and give an account for how we managed his goods. Romans 14:12 makes this very clear. Listen how the scripture reads. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. I believe each of us includes all of us. God's the owner, we're the steward. Listen, God expects us to be generous. Matter of fact, the scripture says what? He loves a generous giver. God expects us to manage his goods wisely, not to love the goods, not to worship the goods, but to manage them wisely. God expects us to use his goods for his purposes, not just selfish ambition. Why? Because we're the owner. I mean, he's the owner. We're the stewards. Now, this first perspective is, is critical, and I think it directly in, impacts the other three. See, if you think you're the owner, then you're going to go through life thinking you own it all and you can do whatever you want with whatever you have because it's yours. But if you truly understand that God's the owner and you have to answer to him for how you've managed 
his goods, his possessions, then it will impact how you use money. It will impact how you deal with possession. It will guard you and guide you as you handle the material stuff of life, especially money. So God is the owner and we are the, we're the stewards, the managers. Here's a second perspective that I believe that God has on money. And it's this money is a tool. God has given us a tool to use for our good and the good of others. If you think about it, money is a, it's a funny thing. It's paper and it's metal, yet it has this powerful hold on us. We measure ourselves, we measure others by how much they have. Like, what's your net worth? Interesting. But the truth is, money is a tool. Your life changes when you view money as a tool, not as a goal. But money's a tool to use. It's not a goal that should drive us to allow money then to become a God in, my, in our lives. In my garage at home, I, I, have, I have a lot of tools. And every tool is useful for something. I continue to tell my wife that. Every tool is useful for something, and I need every tool. In my garage, I have a shovel, and a shovel is useful for digging. It's just a tool. I don't have a collection of shovels. I don't have a display of shovels. I've not been spending my life collecting shovels. It's just a tool. As a matter of fact, if I, if I didn't have a yard, I, I wouldn't have a shovel because I would, I would have no need for, for the tool. Likewise, money... Money's a tool. It's a useful tool, but nonetheless, it's a tool. Like its tool cousin, the shovel, money has, has tricked us, though, to think that it's, it's like more than a tool. We become convinced that money is a goal to go after, not a tool to use. And that's what gets us in trouble. You know, it's the goal that I have to have. It's the goal that I have to achieve. And we read Money Magazine, and we read Forbes Magazine, and, and we get all of this information about where we should be and this goal that we should be at. And we're not careful, before long we get deceived, and this tool that God's given us to use becomes a master in our lives that turns us into a monster. It's the challenge. See, when we view money as the goal, several things happen. The first is this, we estimate our self-worth by money. If that's the goal, then how am I doing in relation to the goal? That defines my, my worth. I think secondly, when we view money as the goal, we feel falsely self-confident with money. Like when I have money, I feel like, well, I can conquer the world. If I don't have money, well, I, I panic. If money's the goal, we feel a sense of security with money. It's like False security. There's a sense of security like, I've got money. I don't have to worry. There's a a gentleman who wanted to purchase a home. Work, 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 saving money. Saved up $75,000. Quite a chunk of money. $75,000 to purchase a home. About the time he was to pull the trigger to purchase the home, the stock market crashed. Guess what happened to his $75,000? What he thought was security was gone. 
That's the thing about money. It's so fleeting. It comes and it goes. Mostly it goes. Right? But if you, if you think money's the goal, if, it's, if, if you see it more than a tool, if money's the goal, then it can give you a false sense of security. Because you begin to measure yourself against others like you have this much and they only have this much so you're more secure than they are. I think here's the fourth thing that happens when we see money as the goal. It's challenging for us. It's like we always need more, right? If that's the goal, if that's where I'm supposed to be, I mean, I've read this in Money Magazine. After all, right, they have all of the wisdom about money. That's why they call their magazine Money. Said I'm supposed to be, you know, I'm 53 going on 54. I should be here. You know, this is the goal I'm going for. Well, I'm not there. So what I need more to get there, right? If money is the goal, then you'll never have enough. You'll always need more because you're chasing a goal that's always moving. You'll never be content. Be discontent in your life. So rather than seeing money as the goal that we're chasing after, the proper view is this money's a tool. It's a tool that can help you or harm you. It can be a blessing or a curse. It all depends on how you view the tool and how you use the tool. Listen, no one here today would worship a hammer. No one here would worship a screwdriver. You wouldn't bow down old mighty screwdriver. You wouldn't do that. That would be foolish. So why in the world would we worship money? It's just a tool. It's a good tool. Nothing more, but it's nothing more than a tool. We want to use the tool to provide for our needs. And we want to use it to be a blessing to others. I mean, that's why God's given us the tool. So we want to see money as the tool not the goal. Here's a third perspective I believe God has on money, and it's this. Money is a test. A test. God can use money to reveal our true loyalties. God can use money to reveal what others can't see. What's inside. See, when you, when you look at me, you see my physical attributes. You see the exterior of my being. You can't see in me. You can't see my heart. Only God knows that. And same, vice versa. When I look at you, I can't, I mean, I see your physical attributes, but I can't look into your heart. But God does. And here's the interesting thing about money, is it reveals what's in your heart. It reveals that of your true loyalties, what, what you value. In Matthew six twenty one, I read this verse earlier, but let me read it again. Jesus makes this profound statement. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But whatever you treasure, your heart's going to be following after that. See, what we do with our possessions and money is a sure indicator of what's in our hearts. That's a tough statement. But folks, it's so true. It's what God says in his word. I think Jesus is saying here, show me your checkbook, show me your credit card statements, show me your receipts for cash expenditures, and I'll show you where your heart is. What we we do with our money doesn't lie. It's a bold statement to God of of what we truly value. it, It reveals our loyalties. 
We see this illustrated in Scripture, the story about a rich young man. Jesus has this encounter, real-life encounter with a young man who's seeking eternal life. If you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 10, I think actually the Scripture is on the screen. But let me just read this encounter that Jesus had. And, And I want you to notice how this plays out. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to have eternal life? How many of you know that's a good question? How can I have eternal life? Jesus, how can I be your follower? Verse 18, Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. In other words, he's a good Jewish boy. I mean, he's kind of been following the law. He's kind of got everything lined up. Notice verse 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Notice verse 22. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. So here's a young man who wants eternal life. He wanted to become a follower of Jesus Christ, but there was a problem. And the problem was not that he had money. That was not the problem. Here's the problem. The problem was the money had him. He didn't own his wealth. His wealth owned him. And when Jesus said, separate yourself from your wealth, sell what you have, give it to the poor, come follow me, he couldn't do it. But at that point, money became a test in his life. It revealed the true loyalties of his life. He was more committed to that which was temporary than that which was eternal. Therefore, he went after the temporary and he missed the eternal. Money was a test. It revealed. And I believe it's the same for us. Now, I don't think God's asking all of us today to sell all we have, give it to the poor, and follow him. However, I am convinced That you can love, serve, and worship money, or you can love, serve, and worship God, but you can't do both. You have to choose. And here's the question. Where will your loyalty lie? For wherever your treasure is, Jesus says, there your heart, there your heart will be also. So what you do with your money, it's a test. It it reveals what you truly value. How many of you know wherever there's a test, there's always an opportunity for a testimony? Which I believe is the fourth perspective of money from God's view. Is that money is a testimony. God can use money to expose the values and priorities that have shaped the user's character. Listen, folks, what we do with money tells a story. It tells our story. How we spend it, how we save it, how we give it or hoard it all, it all reveals what we value and it becomes a statement of our lives. In Mark 12, there's there's a fascinating story about um, a very poor widow lady. Let me just quickly summarize the story. Jesus is in the temple 
on the Sabbath, and he's sitting across from where people are putting their offering in the box. And he's just observing. He's just kind of hanging out watching. And as he's watching, this is what he sees. There's a number of men who are very wealthy, and they're bringing bags of money and dropping it in the box. Think about the noise. Bags of money dropping in the box. Following the wealthy men, there come a poor widow lady who had two copper coins worth less than a penny. She dropped them in the box. Think about the noise. Two copper coins. Jesus is watching all of this. He calls the disciples over and he says, hey, hey, come here. I want to share a word picture with you. And listen to what he says. I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. Put, she put in everything, all she had to live on. For this widow, this was radical generosity. For the widow, it was like total trust in God. It became her testimony. How she handled the little she had really revealed her commitment to God. It really revealed what was happening in her life. And money is a, is a testimony. It tells a story. You know, a second illustration of money being a testimony is, is in the early church is recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It's here that Paul speaks of the Macedonian believers who chose to be generous even though they were experiencing great poverty. In other words, they didn't have an abundance. They didn't have like we're giving out of the overflow. No, they were in crisis. Yet I want you to listen to how, what Paul says. And again, this is a testimony. that What he's telling the story of the Macedonian believers. And it reveals really what's happening in their lives. Listen as I read this. Paul says, out of the most severe trial... Their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For as I testify, they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. Well, here, here are the Macedonian believers. Again, they didn't have much. Paul didn't just say they were living in poverty. He, he takes it like two notches below that. He says they were in extreme poverty. Yet, they were begging for the privilege to give out of their poverty. And what? Their response became a testimony. I mean, again, Paul's telling their story. Even today, what we're receiving, the testimony of the Macedonian believers. How they handled money became a statement of their commitment to God. It was a statement of their lives. See, how we handle money and what we do with money, again, friends, it tells a story. It becomes a testimony of our lives. It reveals what we value. So let me ask you a question. What do you want your testimony to be? Do you want to be known as the person who gathered a lot of stuff in life and just lived for yourself? I mean, you've heard the saying, he who dies with the most toys wins, right? 
You want that to be the story of your life, the testimony of your life? Or, or do you want, do you want to be known as a person who chose to live their lives generously, bringing joy and help for others? That how we handle money tells a story. It becomes a testimony. The answer, the answer to this question is not really about how much money you have or don't have. It's not about whether you have a lot or you don't have a lot. It's, it's really about how you choose to use like whatever God's entrusted to you. There's no way around it. How we use money become, how we use money becomes a testimony. So may the testimony of our lives bring honor to God as we use money wisely and as we live Generously. Folks, what you need to know today is that money is good, it's not bad. Maybe turn to your neighbor and say, hey, money's good. Go ahead and tell them. Money's good. Money's good, it's not bad. You know, we often misquote the scripture and say, you know, well, God says money is bad. That's not what he says. He says the love of money is evil. It creates all kinds of evil. He doesn't say money's bad. Listen, money is good. It's not bad. The problem's not with the money. The problem is with who? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're the problem. I told you you're the problem. <laughs> Pastor just said it. You're the problem. Money's good. It's not bad. We're the problem. Is oftentimes we make money a goal that we're chasing after, and then it becomes a God in our lives. And we miss. We miss the fact that God's the owner and we're the stewards. And He's simply given us this tool, and it's nothing more than a tool to use. The money's like this temporary commodity. Friends, that's here today, and it's gone tomorrow. But how we use the money and possessions God's given us impacts both our present and our future. It is a big deal. That's why we, we need to be right on the money. So my advice to you today is to use the money tool wisely. Don't love it. Don't make it your goal. Don't make it your God. Always remember, always remember that God is the owner and you're the steward. You're the manager. What are we doing? We're managing God's stuff for a period of time. And hopefully when we come to the end of our lives, whenever that is, we're going to hear God say this. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things come and enjoy the vastness of all that I have for you. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you this morning for how you have richly blessed us. But I know there's individuals here today that are financially challenged. There's individuals here today who have more than they need. From one end of the spectrum to the other and everywhere in between. But I understand that reality, but I also understand, God, in the midst of all of that, we are blessed beyond measure. The very fact that we live in the United States of America alone is a statement of blessing. 
The fact that most of us drove a car here today to get to church is a statement of your blessing. That we have food in the pantry at home is a statement of your blessing. God, you've been good. Oh, you've been so good to us. So first, God, we say thanks. Thanks for your goodness. Thanks for your provision. And Lord, today I pray, Lord, for myself as well as for all of my friends today because Lord, I, I believe that we're all challenged to some degree when it comes to money. Lord, my prayer is, is that we would have your perspective on money. God, may it not be our goal, may it not be our God. May we see it, God, simply as it's a tool. A tool to meet our needs, a tool to bless others, a tool to be about the work of your kingdom. God, you've given us a tool. May we use the tool well, but may we always understand it's just a tool. May it not become a God in our lives. And Holy Spirit, I I just ask every day that, that you would just remind us that the earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it. In other words, God, you own it all. And again, we're simply managers of your goods. May we not forget that. Oh Lord, I believe that as we begin to see money from your perspective and we begin to handle money in a way that's honoring you, and we begin to handle your goods in a way that you say, wow, there's someone I can trust. God, what, I, what I've seen in my own life, what I see in your work, God, you said, wow, here, let me trust you with some more. God, I pray that we would manage your goods in such a way that you would find us faithful. And Lord, in that, Lord, we would position ourselves, God, just where you could bring greater assignment for our lives. Again, Holy Spirit, what I know is we need help. The money's not the problem. Money's good. It's not bad, God. The challenge is with us. So, Holy Spirit, help us, I pray. If there's individuals here today who've made money an idol in their lives, Lord, I pray today that their hearts would be convicted. And they would repent. They would repent from taking a tool and making it something that they were pursuing and worshiping in their lives. God, I thank you this morning for your grace that brings course adjustments in and for our lives. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.